Okay, good evening. Hope all of you are doing well. It is uh, 9.40 here on the East Coast. Excuse my uh, quieter than usual voice. I don't know what happened. Uh, middle of dinner tonight, I started losing my voice, but uh, Hashem will make it through tonight's stuff and uh, we'll, we'll hopefully uh, have my voice returned fully by morning. <clears throat> um, we're right now going to be learning Daf Ayin Ches, and we're starting about eight or nine lines down, uh, right at the parentheses, at the uh, second to last line before the wide lines of the Gemara. And the Gemara there says, We understand that on Yom Kippur, that a person doesn't wear shoes. Okay, that makes sense. But Shabbos te'ikal minal mai. Now remember what we were talking about is the possibility of wading through water. But on Shabbos, is one allowed to wade through water? What is this Shaila about? It says the Gemara uh, that it's about Shabbos. But what does that mean? What's wrong with wearing shoes on Shabbos? So take a look at Rashi. Rashi is four lines down. <clears throat> Three lines down, excuse me. And Rashi says, "Vachi Garcinon, Shabbos Ikal Min Al Mai, Mi Shari Laavor B'Mayim." Is it permissible to walk through water? O Dilma Chayshinon, or maybe we should have a concern. Dilma Nafki Mikare V'Asi La'Asuyinu. Maybe we should be concerned that the shoe will fall off, and when the shoe falls off, you may be tempted to carry it. So, which one is it? Do we say yes that the minal is allowed to be worn even through puddles on Shabbos, even through wading, wading through water? Or no, we're not allowed out of concern that one may end up picking up the um, that one may end up picking up the shoe and carrying it. So to that, the Gemara says, <coughs> last short line, Amar Nechemya. says, Chasne It was the son-in-law of the of the base of Nasi. On a the Rabbi Ami Beravasi, he says, I saw Rabbi Ami Beravasi Tematu or Kuma Demaya. I saw them go through a puddle uh, of water with their shoes on. And they walked through the water as though it was a regular article of clothing. This past Shabbos, a lot of us walked in water like that. that we have to take off our shoes. So let's see, what would be the halacha <clears throat> So the Gemara responds, I understand when you talk about regular shoes, but what about a sandal? A sandal has less material on it. Sandal, Michael and Neymar, would we say that wearing uh, this type of shoe is, uh, is permissible or not? In other words, are we concerned that the sandal may fall off and then a person will pick it up and carry it or no? So to this, the Gemara says, two lines into the wide lines, I saw I saw someone wearing a sandal going through the, uh, going through the water. And therefore I know that, uh, and therefore I know that it's permissible to walk through water with a sandal. The Gemara then continues, Rabashi Amar sandal lechatchilalo. However, Ravashi disagrees with the sheet of Rabbi Chumi. Rabbi Chumi says that he saw people wearing it and that therefore it's permissible to wear a sandal through water. But Ravashi says it's not motor lechatchila. And the Gemara tells a story to this end as well. Reish, Reish Kibusa, uh, the exilarch, the head of the, uh, of the neighborhood, <clears throat> he went to a location called Hagronia, the Bay Rav Nasan, to the base medrash of Rav Nasan, where he was going to give a shear. Fine, he went to go teach Torah. Rafram, one of the Amorayim, the Kulu Rabban and Asu Lepirka. Rafram, everybody showed up with the exception of Ravina. Ravina, Lo Asa, were a third of the way down on Ayn Chas So Ravina didn't show up. The Machar, the next day, Boy Rafram, Rafram wanted to intervene. He didn't want the Reish Kalusa to be upset that Ravina wasn't at the Shir. So what Rafram wanted to do is, La Fuke, the Ravina, may die to the Reish Kalusa. He wanted to remove Ravina 
from the thinking of the Reish Galusa, which is code word for saying he was playing politics. He wanted to make sure that uh, the Reish Galusa wasn't upset, that Ravina wasn't at his shear. So he said, Omar Lay, my time of the Asamar Lapirka, Ravina, why didn't you come to the share of the Reish Galusa? So <clears throat> Ravina had a very practical response. Omar Lay, Karoi, my feet were hurting me. Well, this is an excuse to not go to the base medrash when our feet hurt. So let's see how this plays out. Says the Gemara, well, if your feet were hurting, then then maybe you should have put on shoes as if that wasn't obvious. Says the Gemara, I would have loved to put on shoes, says Ravina, but I couldn't. Gaba de Karahava, my, the, 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 um, the back of my feet, literally the back of my feet was hurting. But it's not what it means, the back meaning the bottom. It means the top side of the foot was hurting. So then to tie on the top side of the foot would have been very uncomfortable for him. So he said, I couldn't wear any, sh- any shoes because Gaba de Karahava. He bought a So then Rafram says back to Ravina, at least you should have worn sandals. There's less fabric in sandals. I saw someone this past Shabbos wearing them, like those Teva sandals. Tiny little strips of fabric, that's it. But most of the foot is revealed. So maybe you should have worn a sandal and then you should have come to Shir to hear the Reish Kalusa. Omar Lay, I couldn't because Urkema de Maya Hava Urcha. I couldn't because the only way to get to Shir was through an Urkema through a puddle. So then Rafram says back, so what? Walk through the puddle. We already learned that it's mutter. You should have worn your shoes without taking them off, and you should have walked right through in order to get to the shear of the Reish Galus. That's a chutzpah that you didn't go to shear. So Amar <clears throat> So then Ravina, Ravina punches back and says as follows, Lo sover lamar Did you not hear the shita of Ravashi? Sandal lechatchilalo. That a person should not wade through waters on Shabbos in shoes that are sandals. Now, assuming for the moment that this is halacha lemaisa, what it would then mean is shoes like flip-flops, today's modern sandals that really slip off very easily. Because remember what the Gemara's opening concern was. The concern was whether or not we would say that the shoe may fall off and you'll end up carrying the shoe. If the concern is that you're gonna end up carrying the shoe, so we have to apply that to our modern day dress code. My, uh, my boys wear these shoes, they just slip their feet in, and they call them slides. Good, so the slides fall off very easily. Even if you're running, they could fall off. So Lahora, it would be usher to wear those kinds of shoes that fall off very easily in a place where there's no Eruv when you're walking through a puddle. It might be Allah Chalamais if you're ever in a place when the Eruv is down, whatever it may be. But that's how Ravina and Ravashi hold against the Shita of Rafram and, uh, and the previous Amora who was of such an opinion. Now the Gemara is going to shift gears a little bit. We're a little bit more than a third of the way down on Ayin Ches Aleph. Please excuse my voice. I apologize. Tani Yehuda Bar Grogros, Yehuda Bar Grogros said, "Aser leshev al gabetina biyom kipurim." A person is not allowed to sit in mud on Yom Kippur. This isn't regular mud. This is some type of mud that gave a person a positive sensation, maybe like the mud that one would go to, like the Ahava mud. If you go down to the Dead Sea, they literally sell it, and it had some type of cooling effect, some type of. Uh, some type of anointing effect or a type of effect. So it says the Gemara, you really should not do that. And the Gemara gives parameters to the summer of Yeshua. We're talking about mud that's mitpachas, that flows, that has a liquid consistency to it. How much liquid must it be? It says the Gemara, Amar Abaye, uve tofech amenas lahatviach. Tofech amenas lahatviach means it has to be so moist that when you touch it, that your hand will absorb 
a little bit on its skin and then you can transfer it to something else. So I have a drink here. And if I stick my finger in the drink and you looked on my finger, you'd see that there's still a little bit of liquid there. If I didn't touch something else, that thing is going to become liquid. That's how we define the parameter of this liquid mud that you're not allowed to sit in. If the consistency was thicker and or drier than this to the point that it would not be tofech then it would be mutter seemingly to sit in that, in this type of mud. I'm going to be Huda halfway down. Mutter leads down in the peros. One is allowed to cool themselves down in peros. Just take a cold piece of fruit, put it on your neck, put it wherever it is to make you feel a little bit cooler. He would use a gourd, some type of pumpkin or some type of veg, uh, vegetation like that. Rabba would cool down by holding a baby. I hold a lot of babies. Babies don't make me cold. They make me hot. I don't know what this means. Babies have a body temperature of about 100 degrees. Nevertheless, the Gemara seems to say maybe he was much hotter. Maybe he was coming from the outside. I don't know. But the Gemara seems to say Rabba, that Rabba was mitzdaning biyanuka. And Rava. Rava was mitzdan in Bikasa de Kaspa. He would take a, a cold metal glass, a cold metal cup, like a silver cup, and put it on his skin. Now, we know that that the, even at room temperature, a metal cup has a bit of a cooler sense to it. Says the Gemara, what are the parameters of this? Halfway down, Ein Chesimad Aleph, Papa, Kasa de Kaspa, Mali Aser. When the silver cup is filled with liquid, that's when it's Aser to put it against your skin because... <coughs> Under those circumstances, we're afraid that some of the liquid may spill out and you'll violate Ruchitza and Yom Kippur. But if the cup had no liquid in it or it was chaser, it wasn't a totally full cup. There was no concern that you were going to spill it. So then you could take the cold cup, you could put it on your face to cool yourself down, not a problem. However, the pachra, if it was something that was made out of earthenware, a very porous material, whether or not the cup is full or empty, doesn't make a difference, or I shouldn't say empty, Full or partially full, it would be usher. Because since it's a totally porous material, the liquid could uh, seep all the way through the walls of the material, thereby causing for rechitza, and that's not allowed. So he says, even if he argues on the previous shita that one uh, that Rav Papa said, Rav Papa was of the opinion that if it was Kasa de Kaspa, that if the cup was made out of metal and it wasn't a full cup and we weren't concerned about spillage. So under those cases, he says that you're allowed to do that. But this shita says this doesn't work. That's why the Gemara has a problem with the shita of saying that it's Rav Papa because Rav Papa was the previous shita and that doesn't work. So therefore the Gemara corrects this and says, Rav Ashi Omar Asur, even if the cup is partially empty and partially full, the halacha is, <clears throat> You're not allowed to use Mishum Dari because it's a slippery cup. Again, uh, sometimes you we, we know this experientially that if you have a metal cup and you pour a very cold liquid in it, there can be condensation on the outside of that cup. We see this all the time. Even from the outside of a cup, you can see the, le- the liquid level because of where the condensation sits. So the Gemara is dealing with a very practical scientific side of things that if you hold a metal cup with some liquid in it, and the liquid's going to be cold. It's implied in the Gemara that it's cold. The Gemara doesn't say that, but that would then induce the slipperiness to Mizdari that the Gemara is concerned about. The Gemara tells the story halfway down on Ayin Ches Medalev. Zi'ira Barchama, Ushpezichinen. Zi'ira Barchama was the host to all of the following people. The Rabbi Ami, the Rabasi, the Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, Udekulu Rabbon and the Kesari Hava. He was the guy. 
you know, there's like a couple of families like that in town. And whenever there's a chash of a yid in town, a chash of a rov, so then the leaders of the community will say, you're going to stay with family X or family Y. And that was uh, Zira Bar Chama. He was uh, a very good host. So Amar Leila Rabbi Yosef Berei, Rabbi Yoshua Ben Levi. Rabbi Yosef says to Rabbi Yoshua Ben Levi, Rabbi Yoshua Ben Levi was, uh, was one of the people who stayed in Rabbi Yosef's house. So what did, uh, what did, what did he say about his father? He saw Rabbi Yosef. Amar Leila Rabbi Yosef, he says Rabbi Yoshua, who was the son of Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi, Bar Uriah, you are the son of a lion. Ta, Eimalach, come, I'm going to teach you something, Milsa, Ma'aliyasa, Tahava Avid Avluch. I'm going to teach you something amazing that I learned from your father, from Yoshua Ben Levi. So says the Gemara, Mitpacha Sayis Ayalo, he had a towel, the heir of Yom on the ninth day of Av, before the sun would go down. Bishore Osam Bamayin, and he would soak the towel in water. Osa Osam Kimin Kalim Negubim, and he would make it as though they were dried out. The Meforshim here explained that he would wring out the towel from its water, but it would still have its moisture to it. And then this semi-moist towel would still be semi-moist by morning. Ulemochar, the next day, Mekanech Papanav Yodavaraglav, even on Yom Kippur, says the Gemara, this towel that you wrung out from before Yontif started, before Yom Kippur started, you're allowed to use that to wash your face and your hands and your feet. Mutter, it's not an Isra Vrachitza. That's what the Gemara says, it's a fascinating idea. And um, in, uh, in concert with this is a different halacha with a slightly different set of halachos, which is Erev Tishabav. And Erev Tishabav, what would, what would Rabbi Shogun maybe do? If he was Shora Osak Bemain Ulamachar Ma'avirag Gabeina. And Erev Tishabav, he would do the same thing, um, but he wouldn't even squeeze it out. He wouldn't even squeeze it out. He would just leave it. And however moist it was, I presume the difference would be because Tishabav is Dirabanon. And because Tishabav is Dirabanon, the next day on Yom Kippur Mame, uh, excuse me, on Tishabav Mame, she would be able to take this wet towel and he would be able to then <clears throat> clean his eyes in the morning when he would wake up with this towel. The word Vichain makes no sense here because what we're going to now see is the inverted shita of this Gemara. We just said that by Yom Kippur, he soaked the towel in Erev Yom Kippur, wrung it out of all of its water, and the next day he used the semi-wet towel in order to clean his hands and his feet and his face. Yet, and by and by uh, Tisha B'av, he didn't do the wringing out. Oh, so here the Gemara removed the word v'chein, and then the Gemara says ki bar mori, Omar the opposite. Oh, so what does he do here by Tishabav? He takes the towel, he soaks it in water, and he puts it under his head, a little bit of a different iteration. And then the next day, So similar cases, but with some differences. No, something doesn't sound right. Ibcha Amrislan, you told us the exact opposite order, like the first version. And your biggest concern was schita, to make sure that on Yom Kippur there wouldn't be schita. Okay, so Amar Rabbanasya, the Gemara is now going to present two questions presented here. The first one is totally a side sugya in its entirety. It belongs in parentheses as it relates to our discussions, but it is part <coughs> of the flow of the statement of the Gemara. Amar Rabbanasya Bar Tachlif, Amar Amram, Amar Bar Barchana. Shalu is Rabbi Elazar. Yeah, they asked the following questions to Rabbi Elazar. Here's question number one. Again, one that is not relevant to what we're talking about. Zakin v'yoshev v'yeshiva. You had an older person who was sitting in yeshiva. 
The Mephor say, this is not someone who's sitting stam and learning. We're talking about someone who's sitting amongst the Sanhedrin, a massive Talmud Chacham, one of the primary Talmud Chachamim in town. And he's sitting with the Sanhedrin. Does this person who is a massive Talmud Chacham, you know, we're talking about the top 1% of the community of learners, a big, big Talmud Chacham. Do we, does he need to get Rishus from the Nasi to Paskin on a Bechor to say that, yes, it has a Mum that's permanent, or no, it doesn't have a Mum that's permanent. So says the Gemara, my Kami Boilu, really, what, what was the actual question here? We're about eight lines, nine lines from the bottom of the page. And the Gemara says as follows, what was really the question? So answers the Gemara, Hachi Kami Boilu. This was really the question that the Gemara was asking. Do we say that this, this excuse me, do we say that this uh, needs to be a decision that's that's Excuse me, my children are stopping me right now on my phone. I just turned off my phone. I apologize. Do we say that that uh, this decision of determining a bechor is based on the beinasia? Is based on the nasi only kedeli is gaderbo to create a separation to make him still more chashuv, or do and therefore tzarechli told rishus and therefore this zaken needs to ask rishus before he paskins on a bechor. Or do we say he's above the threshold of tamid chacham? We don't need to worry about this, and therefore uh, he's allowed he's, he's allowed to paskin on his own. So to that says the Gemara as follows. Let's see. The Gemara says, Amar of Tzadok ben Chaluka, Ragla of Amar. He stood up and said, Ani Raisi es Reb Yosi ben Zimra, She Zakin ve Yoshi be Yeshiva haya. He saw Reb Yosi ben Zimra was sitting in Yeshiva. Ve Amad b'Malam Izikno Shalzeh. He was standing next to one of the grandparents of this generation of people. Ve Notal Rishos lahater b'Choros. And he asked basically the Nasi. He asked for Rishos. So we see that he has to ask for Rishos. Amar Le Rababa, you got the whole story wrong. That's not what happened. Three lines from the bottom. Rav Yossi ben Zimra, who you just referred to, Kohen Haya. What we were concerned about was the integrity of his Pesach. If you're a Kohen and you're going to be the beneficiary of that Bechor, and if it becomes a Baumum, then you get to sell it and keep the proceeds. So then under those circumstances, how much do we... Uh, how much do we say that you get? Do we trust you entirely? Do we say, says the Gemara Bacha coming for him, but here was really the question. Do we say, as Allah is Kirab Meir, that if you're a coin and you'd be the beneficiary, so you're no Geabodavar, your personal feelings on the matter are critical and they influence your decision, and therefore you may pass in incorrectly. Odilma, or do we say, Allah Kirab Shem bin Gamil Domar Neeman, who al Shal Chaveru Bein Neeman, al Shal Atzmo. Or do we say like Rashbag that you are you are Neman Tapaskin for a friend, but you're not Neman Tapaskin for yourself? Such an interesting Shiloh in the Gemara. He's a Kohen. He's a Tamar Chacham. Do we trust him to say that this animal has a permanent womb? Yes or no? So the Gemara Paskins like Rabshimim ben Gamil, Pashat Lehalacha Kirashbag, to say that if a Kohen is going to Paskin on the Psul, on a Mum of a Bechor, and it's to his benefit, we don't trust him. An unacceptable, it's no gebadavar mashainkin. If he's paskining for a friend, we would then allow for him to paskin. This is very unique, and I, I don't know how this works out. I also don't know if we can extrapolate from here to the world of Hilchos Nida. But by and large, poskin paskin on their own maros. 
if a woman has a bedika that uh, that is uh, not a simple bedika. So we trust that person to have the integrity to pass in the appropriate psak, even though he's no gevadavar, even though it impacts him directly, directly, doesn't make a difference. We're still not here to allow for a person to do that if they have the integrity to do so. Yet Rashbag says that by a coin, that he's not allowed to do so. I don't have the lambdas for it, but uh, that was question number one of Rebbe Lazar. The Sukhami Bailu, here's another question that was asked, and now we're back to our sugya. That was all parenthetical as it relates to our sugya. <coughs> Last line of Ayn Chesman Aleph, Mahu Sandal Shel Sha'am. What is the halacha? about wearing a sandal that's made out of sham, some type of reed on Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur. So, Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, Amar Rabbi Yitzchak bar Nachmeni al-Raglav, Amar Ani Ra'isi, that's Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, Shayyotz v'sandal shal sham v'yom ha-Kippurim. I have a Misa, I witnessed it with my own two, my own two eyes, that Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi wore this type of sandal that was made out of reeds. V'amino le, and I asked him, v'tainis tibor mai, I understand that you're making when it comes to when it comes to Yom Kippur. What about a tiniest seaboard? Is it allowed there too? Amar Lelo Shna, there's no difference. What is this question about? What do you mean on the tiniest seaboard? What does that have to do with anything? We're talking about Yom Kippur. So take a look at Rashi for a historical perspective, which we will soon see in Masechah's Tainus. Rashi on the top of the page, When there were fast days that were nigzar because of drought, Oh, so really what we're asking is, is this considered to be a sandal? Is this considered to be a shubachlal? And that's the question we're asking about the reed. We know the Rebbe Yoshua maybe was matir by Yom Kippur, but is that the same subjected din of the Chachamim by the drought to say that it's Asr b'ni ilas sandal? He says, Loshna, this is not a shu, it's mutter. I'm a rabbi barbrachana, an yereisias rabbi elazar, they mean ninveh, I saw Rebbe Lozer from Nineveh, and I saw the story is inverted here. Now he's saying, I saw Rebbe Lozer from Nineveh wearing this uh, this uh, sandal made of Sha'am, the sandal that's made from reeds, and he was wearing it on a tiny seaboard. So then the Gemara says uh, that he asked him, Okay, now I see that you're mat, you're wearing this on the tiny seaboard. You've passed on that for me. But how would we then extend this to Yom Kippur? So to that, the Gemara says, there too, we see that a shoe of reeds is not considered a shoe. Good. Next, a couple of samples, eight, nine lines down on Ayn Chasimid Beis. He also went, went out with a shoe that was made from a different type of reed. Um, he went out from something that was made from like palm, uh, like palm leaves, like lulav material, that type of material. And Rabba Nafik Bedivle, and he went out with some type of grass, a very uh, low-level type of shoe sandal that was made out of that material. And in fact, Rabbi Baravuna Karech Sudra Akari he would even tie some cloth around his feet, and that was considered sufficient. He was able to wear that as well. The Gemara doesn't like this. Asked the Gemara, Masiv Rami Barchama, Hakitea, a person who has uh, who is missing a limb. Let's say they're missing the, from the knee and down, so they're wearing a prosthetic. He can go out with uh, his prosthetic. So that's a machlokas stama and Shabbos, where there's no eruv of a person who has a prosthetic if they could wear it. Fine. But in a space with an eruv, it's not relevant. But on this machlokas that we have between Rav Meir and Rav Yossi about a prosthetic, says the Gemara of Itani Allah, 
But everyone agrees that even if it were to have otherwise been mutter out, out, um, out the shoe and carrying and Shabbos, everyone agrees that it would be Asr on Yom Kippur. So that's a problem. You just said that Karach Basudra, uh, that you could wrap something around your feet. Yet we see over here that you're not allowed to do that. You can't wrap something around your feet. You can't just put on a prosthetic and just wrap things on your leg. The reason why we were more makbid by the case of the kitea was that um, was that he was using kisis and he was using rags to add comfort. I had a roommate in yeshiva who had a prosthetic leg. So he, whatever, the prosthetic, of course, was custom to his body, but he would use some like cloth material to make it more comfortable. That's real. That's what he did every day. So says the Gemara, because over here in the case of Kitea, because he was using these rags to make the prosthetic attachment more comfortable. So therefore, that's considered Tainuk, even on Yom Kippur. So if a person is wearing prosthetics and they're, they're doing so with, um, they're doing so the shame Tainuk, that could be a problem. What would be the modern day equivalent of that? Is that like putting air pillows in our shoes? Is that then considered the shame Tainuk? Do we have to extend Tainuk to mean discomfort? Or is it allowed to be neutral? I have very comfortable shoes. Am I not allowed to wear them? I have to find uncomfortable shoes. So these are all shilas that extend from the Gemara because we said that the Kitea, the person who has a, who's an amputee and he's wearing some type of prosthetics with rags, that that's considered Tainuk. It's very difficult to understand, but that's what the Gemara says. Mm-hmm. If, he was, if he didn't have a shoe on at all and the guy wrapped something around his leg, that makes it a shoe? Well, what are you talking about? And furthermore, every single tainug in the world, all of a sudden, every tainug becomes usser. I'm not allowed to sit on my bed if I enjoy my mattress. What level of tainug? It's not one of the chamesha sinuyan. It doesn't mean you can't have any hana. It just means in these five areas, we just spent three blocks trying to determine how all of the chamesha sinuyan are. In fact, the chamesha sinuyan, how far does this go? So says the Gemara, not only that, we know that he wrapped things around his feet and walked out, which seems to make it that it's less problematic. And furthermore, in regards to the uh, brysa, was it a brysa? Yeah. In regards to the brysa of the kitea, in the seifa of that brysa, of me the katani seifa, because in the seifa it says, quote, it says that if there's a base, a kibble, if there's a receptacle, a receiving part where the leg would be, let's uh, presume, placed into the prosthetic, if under those circumstances you have rags, it's tummy. What is implied if the safe is talking about ksis and about the rags that have been added to the prosthes- to, the, to the prosthetics, then michlal the ratio then it must be that the uh, that the the, the ratio is not talking about that, and that means. That even though Rav Meir and uh, was it Rav Yossi, Rav Meir and Rav Yossi argue in regards to a kitea, it says that it's usher to wear that on Yom Kippur even without the rags because the Rasha wasn't talking about rags. So therefore, the Gemara has to answer as follows: Really, it's considered to be a shoe. And here's really what the machlokas is: one person is concerned that these types of shoes that you just take off, the, they come off relatively easily. We're afraid you might carry. And some people say we're not considered, uh, that we're not concerned about this and therefore it's mutter to wear this kind of shoe. We're a little bit more than halfway down. We're going to go until about eight lines from the bottom of the page. So a little bit more to go. And the rabbis taught us, 
chutz min eilas asada. Well, it's mutter for achila and shasia and rechitza and sicha for a katan, um, but it's, uh, he's not allowed to wear leather shoes, even for a katan. So says the Gemara, I don't understand. What happened to the mitzvah of chinuch? My shnon eilas asada, if you wear shoes, people are going to look at you, they're going to say, yeah, you're not so from, you put leather shoes on the kid, he can be, a, why are you, why is he wearing leather shoes? He's a katan he's old enough to start following the mitzvahs. It's only with very rare exception that we don't have a child follow a mitzvah like we spoke about with tefillin because of gufnaki. Why don't we start him by the mitzvah? We have our kids putting on tzitzis at three because tzitzis don't require a gufnaki. But with all other things, presumably he should be following all the mitzvahs. So why over here does it say that Ne'ila Sasandal is not allowed? So it says the Gemara, Maishna Ne'ila Sasandal da'amre inchi avdulei. Hanachnami rechitza v'sicha. Amre inchi avdulei rechitza v'sicha. They'll see his hair looks clean. It looks perfectly brushed. It's still a little damp. Why Why would you say that the other things are mutter for the katan? Sheigiyalachinuch. And Yom Kippur, the Rechitza and Sicha's mutter, and the sandal is not mutter. Very strange. Says the Gemara, no, it's not so hard. If his hair is brushed nicely, then Amar me esmol abdele. And maybe I could argue that uh, that was already done uh, from the day before. Says the Gemara, well, sandal nami Amar me esmol abdele. You could also argue that if he's wearing shoes, you put them on before Yom Kippur started. Says the Gemara, a truth that we all know very well. If you've ever fallen asleep with shoes that are tied, you will probably wake up in pain. Says the Gemara, sandal lo efsher the me'esmal It can't be that we're talking about a case where the parents put the shoes on the child before Yom Kippur started. Why? To Amar Shmuel, Shmuel says, Haiman de boy lemitam taima de misusa. If somebody wants to taste what death feels like, leave your shoes on when you go to sleep. Says the Gemara, they sign the sane beligme, leave your shoes on and, and lie down. Of course, we could give more of an explanation to it. The blood is uh, trapped, okay, whatever the details are. The point is that it's very uncomfortable and therefore it can't be the case that the parents would have put on the shoes the day before. It obviously means that it was mamish mutter to wear shoes for a katan she'i and Yom Kippur. So says the Gemara, it seems to be that they're totally mutter. How can that be? So therefore says the Gemara as follows, when it comes to shoes, when wearing shoes isn't a critical, essential part of uh, raising your children, uh, the presumption was that they didn't always wear shoes. So then they're But that which is normal to include in the child rearing process, such as there is no gzera there, and therefore it's mutter even by a katan Abaye says that my mother told me, it's not actually his mother, his mother had passed away, this was a caretaker. Revise di Anuka, when you're uh, raising a child, you should give him warm water and you should give him oil. Gadal Purta, once he grows a little bit, so we take him to the next stage. We gave him an egg in Kutach, Kutach was some type of milk uh, flavored dish. Gadal Purta, grows still more. Tabure Mane, we give him Kalim to break. We allow him to break things. It's creative playtime. The rabbi said, He went to go buy some broken uh, things of pottery. He couldn't use them. They were broken. He couldn't use them to cook or to keep food or to store food. Wouldn't have worked. They were broken. He'd give them to, broken. He'd give them to his son. And the kid would play with them and break them. Okay. What is this Gemara talking about? It's a good question. But presumably, 
these are normative things for children to do. And what do we see from here? What we see from here is that in the early phase, Abai is teaching us three lines before the wide lines is that it's normal for a child, it's part of his child rearing to have hot water and mishcha and oil. And therefore the Gemara concludes that for Akatan that it's mutter for him, that it's mutter for him to, uh, to have access to rechitza and sicha even though he is a strange exception to the rule. We'll stop right here. Tomorrow will be pre-recorded and posted before Daf Yomi. That will be Daf Ayin Tess. It looks like a little bit of a shorter block. And we'll stop right here. Wishing you all a beautiful night.